return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Got to look at the bright side, right? Thank God you got heat. Thank God you got hot water. Hallelujah. Just different things that you can thank the Lord for. (laughs) <laughs> yes, could it, be, it could be worse, that's right. <laughs> yeah, or someone once time said, what a difference it is even in Winnipeg from here. So, All right, tonight uh, Deb's got a word for us. So Deb, come on up. Let's welcome her as she shares the word of God tonight here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. We're actually going to, I'm going to use as my opening prayer, Ephesians chapter 1. And I just asked Jeremy to put the NIV up here. So just kind of agree with me, will you? This is Paul gave us this Holy Ghost prayer, so it can't get much better, right? right. (laughs) We ask that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know him better. Amen. Can we keep going? Yes, I, I didn't warn you that I was going to do that, I suppose. Okay. Here we go. I pray that the eyes of our heart yep. would be enlightened so that we can know. There's that word again. Amen. Know the hope. Hallelujah. We've been hearing about hope, right? Yep. To which he has called us, yes. you, yep. the riches, the absolute wealth of his glorious inheritance in us as his holy people and his incomparably great power. King James says, exceeding abundant. And who gets that power? Who is it for? It's for those who believe. That power is the same, the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms Far, far above all rule and authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And there's more yet. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in Every way. Um, I must have missed something in here because there's a little phrase in here about his name being given the title. My, my NIV says in verse 21 that far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given. So maybe you notice the title tonight is the exalted one is calling us higher. So in this glorious Christmas season, is anybody celebrating yet? (laughs) Yeah, it's a wonderful season. I mean, we're celebrating that this Lord of glory, the high and exalted one, 
the one worthy to be praised and adored and exalted for eternity, hallelujah, was willing to leave heaven to set aside every one of those divine privileges so he could become a man. And um, Philippians chapter 2, Paul explains it like none of us can. (laughs) Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I mean, the Father's plan all along was for the Son, His Son, the Lord of glory, to be the sacrifice for our depravity, our guilt, our sin. And to deal with the complete injustice of Satan's sin. I'm not Satan, Adam's. (laughs) Yeah, well, Satan's behind it all, but... Therefore, because of that divine exchange, the holy for the yuck of the human race, God elevated Jesus Christ to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus came down to our level, to the lowest place, the lowest place any of us could ever get to. The Bible says in Hebrews, he saves to the uttermost. He took the worst. He took the rejection, the betrayal, the lies. He took the pain, the nails, the thorns, the whipping. And then there's the crucifixion. Oh my goodness. The most tormenting, excruciating death possible. He took the complete onslaught of trauma and abuse possible to man. And all of that was for you and for me. And it's hard for us to sometimes conceive that Jesus actually felt it. He felt deep disappointment. He felt sorrow and pain. He was fatigued. He was tired and he got hungry. And I don't care what you've ever dealt with. Jesus dealt with it first. He He was the ultimate victim. Why? So that we could be forever victorious. So the question begs to be asked, why? Why did Jesus do all this? I mean, I could interview here for the next hour and a half and you'd all have the perfect answer probably. There's a lot of reasons why, right? I mean, did he do it just because he loved his father? Yes. Because God had ordained it all? Yes. To take away the sins of the world? Yes. To bear all the wrath of God? Yes. To be forsaken so that we could forever be accepted? Yes. But again, I think the enemy constantly wants to dumb things down. He thinks to himself... And probably announces to every demon in hell, well, okay, they got saved. Guess there's nothing else we can do now, but at least keep them ignorant now. 
Keep them ignorant of what is really theirs. All that authority, all that power, all that victory that they have with that champion of Jesus living right inside of them. We need to understand that Jesus did not become flesh only to save us from our sins. And yet that should put smiles on your faces for the rest of your life. He did not come just to get us to heaven. Hmm? Again, that should keep us rejoicing. He didn't come just to keep you out of hell. Wow. That'll keep you thrilled out for a while if you think about it. Jesus did not come only to reveal the Father. And aren't you glad he did? Not just to establish the new covenant by his blood or to rescue us from the power of the enemy. So much Jesus accomplished that we could bless him and bless him and bless him day and night for the rest of our life. John 1.16, of his fullness have we all received. And grace for grace for grace for grace for grace. Spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. So, I guess I'm a little off subject, but Jesus came down to our level for all of those reasons. But I'm telling you, he's beckoning us higher. Three years, for three years, Jesus lived on this earth, anointed and empowered by the very same Holy Spirit that he's given us. For three years, Jesus lived extremely conscious of the union he had with the Father to show us how it's supposed to be done. I want to announce here tonight, we can live like Jesus lived. We have the same Holy Spirit inside of us. I don't know if anybody here gets the Charisma magazine. Anybody? The November issue, there's an article um, with some statistics. They did another survey. (laughs) The Cultural Research Center of Arizona, Christian University. Lots of shocking statistics. But the one I want to share with you tonight is... 58% of people who call themselves Christians, which means Christ followers, 58% believe that the Holy Spirit is not a living being. I mean, how do you live for Christ if you don't believe there is a living being within us who's empowering us, guiding us, directing us? How else do we connect kingdom to kingdom, spirit to spirit? Yeah, it's kind of sad, and that might be why a whole lot of people are praying nearer my God to thee when he can't get any nearer. He's within us. we got to live conscious of the indwelling Christ. Hallelujah. I heard a speaker the other day say that the Lord showed, showed her, told her, that a large majority of the Christians have their entire spirit man entombed somewhere in their body, like, hidden in a cave kind of thing. Like not even aware that they have a spirit man, but we've got to learn to engage spirit to spirit. That's why he gave us a spirit, to connect with the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you that we can live like Christ, that we can live full of the Spirit of God, full of his love, full of his grace, and directed by the Spirit of God. We can live supernatural lives, daily experiencing. I mean daily Today, how about you? Today, I asked for power. And you know what? He released it to me. Did anybody else? 
Yeah. And that glory that we carry is meant to be touching others' lives around us. Jesus lived in union with the Father, and so can we. So let's peek at Galatians 2.20. Well, we all know the King James by heart, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now take a peek at the Passion Translation here. My old identity now, Randon did a tremendous job preaching to us, talking to us about identity the other day. We have an old identity. We're not going to live by that one anymore, right? My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and it no longer lives. I don't know, if you used to be a drunk, you are no longer a drunk. If you used to be deathly afraid, you are no longer afraid. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him and now. Now the essence of this new life, it's not mine. The anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me. And please pay attention to the last sentence. And he dispenses his life into mine. Oh, my goodness, I love this phrase. I mean, somehow we have this picture that when we were born again, that boom, there's this blast of life. And then stop, there's no more. But friends, it keeps flowing and it keeps flowing and it keeps flowing. He is dispensing his life into mine and yours consistently and constantly. I am alive with the life of Christ. You and I are no longer walking dead men. The Passion Translation, if you have access to it, Ephesians 2 talks about the people without Christ are like corpses walking around. Their spirit man is dead. That's why we've got to be preaching Christ to people. Hallelujah. We are alive with the life of God permeating our very flesh, infusing and invigorating us with the strength of heaven. You see, what the deal is, is our concept of life and death is a little bit tainted. We've got this idea that death is an event instead of, a force. Same with life. We think life is an event, but it's actually a force. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17. This is the little portion where it talks about God's command in the garden to Adam and Eve. You can eat of every tree, but do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you eat from that tree, if you eat from that tree, In that day you will surely die. Did they die? The second? No. But the force of death took over. Or when Jesus was speaking to um, people in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Again, those people were fully alive. Their hearts were all beating that were standing in front of them. But... Not until you are born again does the life, the force of life begin. 
Hallelujah. So we have to ask ourselves, which one are we going to have more faith in? Which one has more weight in our life? Will it be um, death or will it be life? Will it be spirit or will it be flesh? Will it be the kingdom of God or the world? Now, the entire earth is under the force of death. It's the second law of thermodynamics, right? Everything is wearing out. And we don't have to look too far to see the effects of the force of death in our world. But Jesus came to bring life and to release life into our world, not the event of life. And yes, the event of life is pretty spectacular. They have proof now that when a sperm meets an egg, there is a spark of light that goes off. Light. Hmm, it gives another meaning to John 1, 4, right? In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, if we could see in the spirit world, we'd know and see the effect of light and life. It's far more explosive spiritually, even than it is physically. When we say yes to Christ, I believe, I promote. Uh, is that the right word? Hmm, I can't remember what I decided I was going to say, but I didn't write it down. Anyway, when we say yes to Christ, there's not just a spark of light. I believe there's an explosion of light, a complete change, a complete transfer from the domain of darkness to the domain of light. From that moment on, the force of death, friends, is broken, and the force of life takes over. Now, Paul calls it, in Romans chapter 8, he calls it the law of the spirit of life. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just want you to hear that right now so it can be there, working in your brain, in your mind, in your heart. Here's how John puts it. 1 John 5, 11, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Friends, Jesus is the life giver. If we want this force of life, the domain in the kingdom, and the rule of life, if we want this force to operate in us, well, we have to be found in Christ. That's when our spirit man is made alive. Now, how many of you in this house have made Jesus Lord? Every one of you. So listen, the law of life, the domain, the kingdom of life is at work in you. Believe it or not, we have to give ourselves, though, to that truth, to the life that's already within us, because God wants that life to increase and increase and expand and enlarge. Hallelujah. And spill out of us to other people around us, right? Jesus made it possible for us to live in and experience resurrection life. And this afternoon when I was thinking about this, all of a sudden I remembered, um, I don't know, I lose track of time. Was it a year ago, two years ago when George was here preaching? Was that two years now? Anyway, he gave us this wonderful message one day about Elisha's tomb. Do you remember that? How Elisha was buried and um, then this army came by and they had this guy that died. And they had to quick bury him because they had to get on with their life, their battle, their war, whatever it was. And the guy touching Elisha's bones, boom, he came alive. There was so much resurrection life that had leaked 
from his spirit to his flesh that this guy was revived, just touching his bones. Now, wouldn't you like that much resurrection life in your bones? Whew. Praise God. Well, let's look here at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Let's see, where does it start? That does not look like the right one. Did I give you the wrong one? It should start, he gave us resurrection life. All right, this is, I really wanted you to see this. Try First Timothy, do you think? What do you think? You already looked at it and that's not right either? Okay. Second Timothy 2. Okay, well, I'm just going to read it because it's still pretty good. And <laughs> we'll have to figure out where it is later. He gave us resurrection life. We have to agree with that, right? And he drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good that we've done, but by his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union. Do you think you figured out where it is, Albert? Because this next part is... So powerful. I would really like everybody to see it. Did you figure it out? All right. Easy fix. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. He gave us resurrection life. He drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good we've done. But his divine pleasure and marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus. Even before time began. Hallelujah. This truth is now being unveiled by the revelation of the anointed Jesus, our life giver, our life giver, our life giver. Look at this. Who has dismantled death, obliterating every one of its effects on our lives and has manifested his immortal life in us by the gospel. Wow, wow, wow. This verse just did me in. Dismantle death. Obliterating every one of its effects. I mean, go ahead and think. What are some of the effects of sin in our world? In us. What are some of the effects? The Bible here, am I seeing this right? Isn't this pretty radical stuff? I got to admit. He obliterated every one of its effects. And has manifested his immortal life in us. Now listen, if I was on the street talking to somebody, I said, listen, I'm just like God. I'm an immortal person. They'd look at me like, okay, you're wacko. I mean, it's true. My body is going to die. My heart's going to stop beating someday. I might even have a few wrinkles in a few years. Anyway, but I'm immortal. You are immortal. Your spirit man will never die. Wow. Now, I have to warn you, though. It's a little bit like the Israelites. When God says, okay, he said to the Israelites, the whole promised land is yours. 
Take it. Go in. Possess it. Make it yours. But they didn't want to. They, they had it in their head because they were kept looking at me. Uh, I can't do this. Uh, what do you say? We're like little grasshoppers. They, they, they had their focus in the complete wrong place. I mean, if God says the victory is ours, if he says, I dismantled death, if he says, I obliterated every effect of it in your life, yep. I mean, we have to start contending for life, friends. Yep. Yep. Jesus already did all the dirty work. Yep. I mean, even with the Israelites, when we read through some of the stuff in the book of Joshua, I'm sure Jericho did look a little overwhelming. Yep. I'm sure those Girgashites and Hittites and Jebusites all looked uh, big. But who's bigger? We have the greater one within us. I mean, you're giant. What's your giant right now? Your insecurity? None of you have insecurity. Uh, Addiction? None of you have addictions. Um, I don't know what you're facing. Some kind of fear, some kind of relationship, some kind of breakdown somewhere. I'm telling you, we have the life giver in us. He already did the dirty work. Jesus did. And he says, the victory is yours. I think I did give you that scripture, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you picture Jesus standing right here. Picture him with his arms wide open saying, here, I'm giving it to you. Grace, it's yours. Mary, it's yours. I mean, that's we have to see that every day. Him saying, Steve, I've given you the victory. It's yours. You are going to overcome in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He has given us immortal life. He's given us supernatural power. He's given us joy unspeakable and full of glories. It is already yours. Yes, we live in a body, yes. But our spirit being is infused with the life of God. Never will death have its full effect on you. Never. Never, never, never. So declare that with me. Life is at work in me. The force of life is at work in me. Let's peek at Romans chapter 8, then, verse 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let's see, what's that name of that man you talked about? Oh, John G. Lake. You know, um, he was ministering in Africa, isn't that right? And they had one of these terrible plagues there. I really don't have this in my notes, but it's coming up in my spirit. Bubonic, Bubonic plague. And um, he and this other man were offering to, we'll, we'll bury the bodies, we'll take care of this for you, because nobody wanted to touch any dead body even. And um, the, the medical people came and they said, you can't do this, you, you, it's just too dangerous. And he says, no, you just take your microscope and just check out my skin here. And so they did. They put the microscope on the bubonic plague on this body um, before, and they saw all these crawling live things. 
And then they put it on his body and they took the microscope and they looked and it was dead. It was not moving. And when they said, how do you explain this? He said, well, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Wow. Most Christians, friends, see this eternal life, this force of life beginning when we die. That's when eternal life starts. Nope. I'll tell you what, eternal life starts the moment the life giver shows up. The moment the life giving Holy Spirit is in your, taking up residence in you, the force of life has begun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this life of Christ goes on and on and on and on. And I'm telling you, life supersedes death, just like light supersedes darkness. Okay, take the law of gravity. It's been a fact. I mean, for years and years and years, we know. If I drop this book a hundred times, it's going to keep falling on the floor, right? And there was no such thing as airplanes flying in the sky because, ah, there's gravity, right? Until they discovered the law of lift. Then all of a sudden we see 90,000 pound airplanes just flying through the sky on a regular basis. Now, when the law of lift is in operation with that plane in the air and all that scientific stuff that one of you could explain better than me, but when the law of lift is in operation, does the law of gravity stop functioning? It does not. But the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. So let me show you something in the book of Esther. We're not going to turn there, but you all know the story, right? This little orphan girl, God raises her up to be the queen of Persia. Then there's this wicked Haman over here who manipulates plots, plans, and gets the king to sign this decree. Every Jew will die. And you can steal all their stuff. And you've got to know this about a decree. Once a decree goes out, and we'll talk about that because we're studying words, we'll talk about decrees um, because you know we're all kings and priests and we get to make decrees. And when decrees are made, they cannot be stopped. Nothing stops the decree. Hallelujah. So this decree goes out saying every Jew will die. You can steal all their stuff, but... Esther prays, she fasts, and so do her maids, and so do all the Jewish people in Susa. And God moves in a glorious way, such that a new decree was issued. One that superseded the other. The old decree was still in effect. It was still the law of the land. But the new decree released greater power and greater authority to the Jewish people to fight back and to triumph. So, friends, there is a decree that has gone out from hell that says you, well, how do I say this? John 10.10, the thief says, steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. And all of hell is bent on accomplishing that decree. But there is a higher decree. Hallelujah. The law of life in Christ Jesus It's just like how the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity. I'm telling you, the law of life supersedes the law of death. 
even the law of steal, killing, and destroying. Because we have greater power. We have greater authority. And we have this law of life that supersedes the law of sickness, supersedes the law of poverty, supersedes the law of limitation, the law of weakness. You may name it. We have the greater decree and the greater law. If you're in Christ, you're under a new law. The law of life in Christ Jesus has made it us free from the law of sin and death. Peace is now the domain we live in, friends. The force of light and life. It's a resurrecting power that brings and releases life and energy and strength. And instead of death and sickness and lack, there is now a release of increase and wisdom and health and strength and ability. And just this week, the Lord showed me, I don't think I gave you the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 5. The ending of the verse simply says, our sufficiency is of God. But the Amplified says, our power, our ability, our sufficiency. Now, say that tomorrow to yourself when you look in the mirror. My ability is of God. My sufficiency is of God. You know, when God called Moses, that, that encounter at the bush... And he says, hey, I've seen what's going on. I'm come down. I'm going to deliver these people. And Moses had no doubt. Oh, wow, this is wonderful. Yes, I know you can do it, God. And then God says, no, it's going to be with you. And then all of a sudden, uh, don't think so. Right? Right? He had all these excuses. And we get the same way. We know how big our God is. We know how strong he is. But we keep thinking, uh, use somebody else. No, he wants to use you. It's the same spirit of God in you. The same force of life in you. The miracle worker wants to work in you, through you, the promise keeper. What if we meditated on life instead of death? What if we came into agreement with the force of life? filling us with courage and strength and wisdom. What if we could believe that it's permeating our every cell? Wow. Then we can maybe live like, what does 1 John 4, 17 say? As he is, so are we in this world. I guess I need to be finishing up. Acts 10, 38. Why can't we live like Jesus did? Anointed, who walked about the earth, doing good, healing all that were oppressed. I mean, when I mentioned earlier about contending for life, every time we lay hands on the sick, or today we had this thing at the college, and this one girl was saying, talking to me about how anxious she was and nervous, and I just said, I just laid my hands on her and just said, come Holy Spirit. And I just had her do it, because I had to go do something else. I said, just lift, move, just get your hands out here and just say, come Holy Spirit. We can release the power, the life, the peace of Jesus. Okay, I have to quick finish with this gorgeous verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I hope I got the right one this time. The Passion Translation. All right, look at the command that says be. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. 
Please don't picture this life force as this little tiny trickle. Proverbs, there's a verse about the fountain of life. Just see it bubbling up and bubbling up. There's plenty for whatever you need. Plenty. Hallelujah. So say it with me. I am supernaturally infused with strength through my union with the Lord Jesus. I stand victorious. Now listen, a couple years ago I was praying for this lady and the Lord showed me that she was she was sitting down on the inside is all I can say. I saw her standing, but I saw her inner man just sitting. We can do that, you know. We can just back off and say, well, okay. I'm going to act like I'm with it, but I'm not. We have to stand up on the inside. So say that with me. I stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through me. Okay, one more. The law of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Stand up with me. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. You are our life giver. Hallelujah. L-K-E, the living God. We thank you for infusing us with power. Lord, right now we're lifting out. Just hold out your hands, will you, and just take some of that power. Be like the receivers, the ones that um, pick up all the satellite forces up in the air. Let's just grab it. Lord, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. You are infusing us with your power. You are dispensing your very life into ours. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We stand victorious in Christ. We stand as more than conquerors. We stand alive with the life of God. So Lord, right now, thank you that you're infusing everyone in the house with fresh power. Thank you for an increase, an increase, an increase, an increase of energy, an increase of strength, an increase of every single aspect of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Thank you that this is a blessed people and they are going out there strong in the Lord, infused with power in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, all you got to do is just touch somebody now, right? And they're going to receive life. Amen. Glory to God. And I'll be glad to agree with anybody who wants some prayer. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylifeatbrookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.